This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks, and this is The Leader. Russia has taken over another nuclear power facility in Ukraine. Overnight, it shelled the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant and took control of the site, causing alarm and condemnation across the world. It's led to the Director General of the International Atomic Energy Authority, Rafael Grossi, to travel himself to the Chernobyl exclusion zone to negotiate with the Ukrainians and the Russians to uphold the principles of nuclear safety. So what does this mean for world safety and how will this latest development impact the conflict in Ukraine? Malcolm Grimston is a senior research fellow at Imperial College London's Centre for Energy Policy and Technology. He joins me now. So Malcolm, first of all, what was your reaction when you saw the news that this nuclear plant was being attacked by Russia? It was sort of a combination of resignation because I think it had been fairly obvious for a while this was going to happen. And really, you know, enormous concern. Uh, It's for good reason that this is a war crime to attack an operating nuclear power station. It's pretty clear they weren't trying to destroy the plant. If they were trying to do that, they'd have taken a very different approach. They were trying to take over the plant, which I gather they've now done. But even so, there's enough on a plant that you could damage that would make operation of the plant difficult. Not the reactors themselves, but some of the important backup systems. And a statement from the Nuclear Industry Association has praised the staff at the facility for their dedication to running the plant during the conflict. What would the operation look like for them as Russia closed in and started firing on the site? Well, there'll be a major decision to take as to whether to actually close the uh, reactors down or to continue operating them. And my understanding is that they have, there were three of the six reactors were actually operating at full power when the crisis began. Two of them were being used for uh, backup, and so were running at very low power. And one of them was, was in cold shutdown for repairs. So I understand that they did take a decision to close two of the plants down to reduce the potential risks. But the other thing, I, I mean, I just can't imagine what it's been like over the last eight or nine days. It's been very difficult to get the staff in to change the shifts. They, of course, like everybody in, in Ukraine, will be terribly afraid for their families, for their country, for their communities. I totally endorse the level of praise which is being poured upon them and the other nuclear power plant operators. But for me, one of the big issues of the next few days 
is the relationship between the Russians and the Ukrainians and whether the Russians will accept that treating the staff extremely well is vital at this stage. And I suppose it is quite a unique job to have in a conflict because I doubt any of them want to leave as many other Ukrainian residents have been. That's right. And we've seen in the previous nuclear uh, incidents the bravery of the staff at Chernobyl and then at Fukushima who did stick to their posts, who did in situations actually and let's hope that it remains this way, rather worse than we're seeing at the moment in Zaporozhia. There does seem to be something, maybe, I don't know, maybe we're all like that, but certainly the nuclear operators have shown extraordinary courage whenever incidents arise of this kind of nature. Now, obviously, the news of any form of gunfire or explosion anywhere near a nuclear power plant doesn't sound good. How fragile are these sites? And what exactly are they designed to withstand? There's... Two potential issues, I think, beyond the human resources one that we've talked about. Uh, One of which is, could you actually breach what's called the inner containment? This is the thick steel pressure vessel, as it's called, where the nuclear processes occur and where the great heat is produced. My general feeling is no, unless that was what you really desperately were trying to do. They are extremely robust. They need to be. They are operating at high temperatures with highly radioactive materials. And this particular design, it's a Russian design called the VVER, has an extremely good record in terms of its integrity and in terms of of its safe operations. So that's a theoretical one. But what I think we were looking at uh, overnight, as I say, was not an attempt to damage the plant. It was to take the plant over. So the munitions that were being used were relatively minor by these standards, gunshot fire and and slightly more than that. The building which caught fire was clearly not part of the operating parts of the plant. For a start, it had windows and the main parts of the operating plants don't have windows. So, and I'm not even sure that was particularly about nuclear. If they are moving towards Kiev in several directions, including from the south, then you have to go past Shaparoshier to do that. So you think it's not part of Russia's plan to actually target these nuclear plants to cause damage? Militarily, it seems there's a, quite an argument saying you don't want a, uh, an oasis of Ukrainian control in the middle of Russian-occupied territory. So taking the plant just, you know, the fact it was a nuclear plant, I think it's almost irrelevant from that point of view. They would want to take any installation in the way in order to simplify the area that they, that they, they took as land. Don't take that for a second as justification. But my suspicion is that this wasn't specifically about taking over a nuclear plant as such. What we don't understand, or what I don't understand, so others might, is what Russia's long-term aim is, really for the whole of Ukraine. If they want to integrate Ukraine into Russia and into the Russian economy and into the Russian polity, then these nuclear stations become massive assets. Ukraine gets more than half of its electricity from nuclear power, it will still need to generate if it gets annexed to uh, to Russia. It will still need to have an active economy. And so these plants, one would expect, should be viewed by the Russians as something to preserve because they're going to be extremely useful after the war. When you couple that with the fact that Zaporozhye is not that far from the Russian border, and apparently, this is not my field, but apparently the winds are quite often westerlies and northerlies from there. So any fallout there's at least a significant possibility that it would blow towards Russia rather than away. And Russia itself operates 38 nuclear power stations. I can't imagine that it would want to undermine confidence in those stations. So there are a variety of reasons in a normal world occupied by normal people doing sensible things 
where you would expect the Russians to be very careful indeed about nuclear safety at the Ukrainian plants. That's the caveat, though. To what extent is this? It's certainly not a normal world. And as you say, you expect Russia to be sensible in terms of safety and not to do anything to jeopardise the site. I've heard today that if something did go wrong there, it could be several times worse than the Chernobyl disaster. Is that accurate? I don't really understand where that, that argument came from. I mean, for one thing, the Chernobyl design, it was called RBMK. It was only ever built in the former Soviet Union. And there are none still operating in Ukraine. They, they were all at the Chernobyl site. It had a particular design flaw that meant if it was abused, it could actually run away with itself. And so you got the power output during the Chernobyl accident going from something of the order of 6% of normal operating output to something like 480 times normal operating output in the span of about three seconds. Now, that massive surge of power blew the plant apart and it created a momentum that pushed the plume, the radioactive material, literally miles up into the air where it could then follow the prevailing winds and was spread very widely. These reactors don't have that flaw. They can't run away with themselves. And indeed, once you have shut them down then you've removed the actual fission process itself. So what you're dealing with is passive heat. Uh, so I don't think you're talking about a Chernobyl-type mm -hmm. event in any case. And it's never good to have any nuclear facility in a war zone in a conflict. Should we be worried about the state of things because there is, or not so much because, as you say, Russia are unlikely to use them as targets to cause damage? Somewhere in between those two positions, the sheer uncertainty of the ultimate Russian war plan or how they might be pushed if things don't go their way elsewhere in Ukraine means that there's a degree of uncertainty here that you do not want when you're operating nuclear power stations. So from that point of view, it is a serious uh, concern. But as I say, in anything like a vaguely sensible thought, the Russians would regard these things as potential assets and a radiological accident has a potential disaster for Russia, quite apart from Ukraine. And one would hope, and in my heart of hearts, I do believe that this is the case, that that's the view that will prevail. Uh, but nonetheless, these are very, very uncertain times. And until we have some sort of longer term view as to what the wider picture is in Ukraine in the future, I think we're going to have to remain very, very vigilant for this sort of issue, not just affecting nuclear plants, incidentally, but water facilities, hydropower dams, chemical factories, oil refineries. There are an awful lot of things in any country where you could do damage to local people if you were really determined to. There's more news and analysis at standard.co.uk. You can find our Ukraine fundraiser at gofundme.com forward slash evening standard Ukraine appeal. That's the leader. We're back on Monday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.